Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside the Joe Aitken. Joe, how the heck are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Corey. Um, always better when you make it back. Um, we had a great podcast, our last podcast, with a good friend of mine, Eric Palacios, out of uh, California. But I really, I think he's the kind of a guy that you're going to kind of really enjoy talking to also. So we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But you know what? I'm doing good, and I'm always, I'm always glad when we make it back. And when I can't make it or if you can't make the podcast, um, it's, uh, you're missed. So welcome back. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be back. I know this is going to come as a shocker to you, but by the time this hits the radio waves uh, next week, Monday, it will be September. Wow. I know. Where did the summer, where did the summer go? And I know, I know a couple folks and you, you've asked earlier and a couple folks want to know where I've been because uh, just like Johnny Cash, I've been everywhere, man, in the last couple weeks. But we had the ISA climbing competition for the Rocky Mountain chapter down in Albuquerque. And that was well received. You know, they we did that event during during COVID last last year in Denver. Um, but this year we were down in Albuquerque, which is which is a, a you know a community with nothing but potential. And there were climbers that came from all over the region and even a couple from the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest. And uh, a huge shout out to uh, the climbers and our friends from the Aspen Carbondale region, Joe, they they all listen to the show. They're, they're fans of the podcast. They are dying to meet you. So whenever you make it out to Colorado, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll try to line something up, but big shout out to them. Yeah. You know what? You're right. And um, it's happened on the side of the Mississippi too. Uh, climbers are such an amazing group of love and camaraderie. Uh, you know, both the female and the male competitors. And these guys are itching to compete so bad that you're right. They're, um, they're making the trek to other chapter events. Um, you know, we'll get back. We'll kind of talk dive into a little bit of Ent Michigan's in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's amazing how most of these people know each other and uh, how excited they are to see each other and to compete and to climb and, uh, do that, that, that bond, that edu you know, and it, it's an education. It's learning something new from a good friend you haven't seen in a couple of years. So fantastic. Um, let's, you know, I, I noticed that, um, you were kind of moving a little gingerly. Let's, let's move right on into, uh, why you could tell our listeners, why Corey, why are you moving a little slow today? Well, slower than usual for for a you know for a couple of reasons, but the main one is to all the listeners out there is I was I was blessed and fortunate to have the opportunity to represent Arborjet in the Tour de Trees. And for friends and folks who aren't familiar with the Tour de Trees, it's it's a nonprofit. It's a five hundred one c three nonprofit set up by the Tree Fund, and what they try to do is raise awareness about the value and the importance of trees in the urban landscape, in the urban setting. So I just spent the last oh, four days or so 
touring around the front range of Colorado and into the mountains on a, on a road bike. So the first time I've been on a road bike in many, many, many years uh, on a road bike going up and down hills with people who joked, like you said, they're from all over the country. They're, they're from all over North America. We had some Canadians there. Yeah. And we, we, we talk about trees. We talk about, it's kind of interesting because we get to meet so many different people from so many different parts of this profession that we met, uh, met some Canadian folks who were just kind as could be, and they got to hear their, their perspective on how trees play a role in, in the urban environment, but also got to spend a, a great deal of time, at least eight hours a day with a gentleman who's a landscape uh, in LA, a landscape architect. And it was fascinating. And we were talking about everything from, and I, I gave him a little grief, of course. Hey, you know, could you tell all your landscape architect friends to maybe add some more diversification and uh, maybe take the cage off the basket off when you're, when they're planting trees and all this. And he's telling me, he's like, well, you know, we only, as a landscape, uh, you know, as an LA, we only have a select list that we can choose from, from plants, but we'll make sure we put that in the, in the, you know, in the planting specs. And then of course we get to hang out with some city foresters who I would have never, you know, never got to meet or hang out with. And they're talking about, um, you know, kind of, the role, Joe, that even our podcast and the people that we work with on a day-to-day, uh, the role that we are having in the present day for the urban forests across North America. And it was, it was really, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I hope, my knees hope, my butt hopes. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, you would not believe that you know, as many years I've been in the industry, how many times... Uh, um, you know, I, I have a, a pretty extensive outreach in North America with arborists I've known for so long. And Joe, you got to ride, you got to ride. And I'll be honest, I'm not riding. <laughs> I am not riding and I'm not running anymore. Uh, I don't jog and I'm not riding the tour. Uh, you know what? And I love them all. I love their, their, that is a very passionate group that truly love the tour um, I have some really good friends here in Michigan that are there, uh, competing, uh, not, it's not a competition. I just, I take, take that back, um, riding to raise awareness and funds. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that y- you didn't mention is that the tour to trees, each rider has to raise like three grand to compete or to well, ride. Exactly. And that being said, we'll make sure that Producer Kara puts in a link in the show notes uh, if you want to donate to the cause. But go on. Please go on. And the the money that's raised is actually uh, they've established a bunch of grants for uh, that you can apply for for research in the industry. If you have a worthy endeavor and you need a couple of dollarinis, they're there for that. They're there to provide assistance with research. So all in all, um, I think maybe one day in the future, we could probably get the executive director on and kind of talk a little bit more about the history of the tour, but it's just that we, we talk about being involved in the industry. This is another way to be involved, even though you're not uh, a aerial arborist or a terrestrial arborist or even a certified arborist. If you're in the business or a green industry and you love trees, why not get involved? This is a great way for everybody to enjoy the value of trees. 
Well, that's it. And you can get involved, you, you know, by donating, obviously by writing. And if, if you're a city who happens to be on that tour path um, or a Lions Club, you can show up and just help offer some support. And uh, a lot of the cities were, you know, they, they had trees out there ready, ready for the riders to plant. Really? So, yeah. So it was pretty cool. Granted, it was only, you know, a tree here and there, um, but it was still cool just to be a part of and, you know, passerbys, just like climbing contests, um, passerbys would just kind of stand and watch and, oh, okay. Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh yeah. I guess I didn't realize that. Um, and then of course, uh, with the company we represent, you know, it was so cool to see so many people from across North America that, that use our products so that know of G you, Arbor Jet Joe, <laughs> or, or th they know of some of the work that um, we've done in the past. It's just, it was a really cool feeling, but it also made me realize that this, this tree community extends out to the landscape architect community, which you know, kind of touches into, you know, lawn services and municipal and everything. And we're all trying to do the same thing. And, and I would say 99.9% .9 of us are trying to do the right thing. That's right. And, you know, in part of, you know, a good portion of our listeners are forestry. You know, you got to realize that where the urban forest ends, the traditional forest begins. Mm -hmm. So even that's a connection that I don't think we make a, a strong enough effort to connect us both together. Right. Um, a lot of the research that uh, the tour provides is urban forestry, but maybe I would like to see them maybe give a little bit to forestry. Yeah. Um, maybe a suggestion, you know, Hey, um, we're all in this together, you know, and a lot of the research that we use in urban forestry comes from forestry, you know? So, I, I think it's a great endeavor. And again, they're always, they're always striving to improve that tour. They move it around North America uh, to raise awareness. And I think it's a great thing. And I, uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, as Arbor Jet Joe, thanks for representing Corey. Thanks for going out there. We try to have a rider out there all the time. Just let them know that we're here. We're here for you, but thanks for uh, wearing yourself thin there, brother. <laughs> Oh, we wore it real, real thin. But uh, how are, how are things going in Michigan, Joe? What's new in Michigan? What are you doing? Well, you know what's inter you know what interesting in Michigan is that August, July, August is always kind of a. It's kind of like if you look at uh, business and arboriculture. You know, we went through a hot spot. It's a dry area. Obviously, you know when you're talking about stem injections, trunk injections, you slow down in this period because of heat and drought. And then we start picking back up. So um, there's a lot of events popping up now. You know, we talked about this uh, with Kara in the past about trade shows coming back online. Guys are getting excited to see people. Obviously, the climbing events are a perfect example of how we're itching to see everybody again. You know, people are a, a, a communal group. We need that connection. So I've been working on Arbor Fest which is connected to the Michigan tree climbing championship. And I've been working uh, pretty hard, pretty diligently to get it down there, which in the 27 years of Michigan climbing, it's never been on a state park. Wow. We're taking it to a state park uh, just outside of the, the city of Detroit. Uh, Belle Isle is a, uh, was a, 
historical part owned by the city of Detroit is now leased by the DNR to make it like the 101st state park in Michigan. And what's amazing about the opportunity I've had in the climbing championship there is that we could actually have 30 to 50,000 people on the island the day of the event. Oh, that's cool. That's unheard and, of. Well, I, um, and that's our, that's, we, we talk about the exposure and trying to educate on arbor culture. Um, we're going to have the news there. We're going to have, I'm trying to get discovery channel there because and you know this by watching them and you've climbed, I've climbed. I'm not a competitive arborist. There's no way I could do that. I can't do what they do in the trees and to watch them do it, uh, is incredible. What, a what finely tuned athletes are that don't get enough credit for what they do. So I've been working on that. Um, what are the cool things? Arbor Fest, we'll get some opportunity to, to talk about what do we do in the fall with trees. I think that'd be a great, uh, a great podcast coming up. What do we do now? You know, the season's coming to a close. What's the best thing you can do for a tree right now? So maybe we'll just slip care on note. And we'll try to find somebody to schedule that in on a, on a podcast. But yeah, tree planting, tree planting's big right now. Well, and it's, it's a great time. We get that question all the time, Joe. When's the best time to plant a tree? And our answer is always, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, whatever your number is. But yeah. what season is the best time to plant a tree? In most of North America, it's, it's the end of summer, it's fall. As long as you can get some water to it and, and a little root stimulator, it's now. Yeah. You got to let that plant uh, heal in. You can't do it during drought, especially if you're not going to give it water. So fall's coming up. And I know we'll, we'll chat a real quick a little, a little bit about, you know, there are compounds that have been developed to help with soil moisture um, and they're great products, but I'm working with the Michigan DNR and I've said this on podcasts in the past. I don't think any state DNR gets enough credit for what they do with the staff they have in the limited budget. I think, I don't think I realized this until I started working with them more and more and i've been working with them for about 15 years now mm. um they stretch a dollar thin and they really do try to put it to best use they do rely on volunteers more than you know to keep the parks open so um because of my occupation and who i am and who i work for and i can't thank arborjet enough for the philanthropic endeavors that they they involve us in bob ross the painter yeah. Uh, he has a foundation and he always did nat natural paintings. Well, they donated to, this is a, a national foundation. They donated to the DNR to propagate seeds. They did it through the Michigan Department of Corrections, gave the... Um, detainees something to do an ownership in a group potted plants wow that's cool so i have an opportunity on belle isle in two weeks to plant 30 of the happy little trees using some of our technology and i'm going to dig them in with the air knife that's and, so uh, cool that's so cool so we got that going on there's a lot of great things we could be doing right now in the fall so um 
I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the opportunity that we got. The fall's coming. This is my favorite time of the year. Well, yeah. I mean, the in the fall colors. That's it's it's interesting looking at looking at today right now. Knowing that you know we, early September is where we'll be when this airs. The peak for leaf change and leaf color historically where I live is about that second week of September. Really? So yeah, so I've been starting to see some leaves on some of the some of the cottonwoods and other popple species up here, some of the aspens start to change a little bit. But what what and this was just a conversation we had today as well down in the, you know, kind of the drier part of the front range. Um, there are some some trees, some cottonwoods and um, some walnuts that as the leaves can't be supported by the lack of soil moisture, they actually start to turn yellow and they, they, they pull that water and some of those nutrients back in and they'll drop prematurely during droughts. Well, this, this year where I live, we've had pretty good moisture and the temperatures are just now starting to get around freezing at nighttime. So the color change out here will happen within two weeks. Whereas in, in Michigan or Wisconsin and on the East coast, it's kind of gradual, right? Yeah. It's uh, the first week of October in the upper peninsula, uh, Northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, then it's all, it kind of goes down. So by the second, third week of October, we're done. Leaves are out, leaves are gone. But man, is that a beautiful, oh, beautiful time of the year. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm an avid hunter, outdoorsman. Um, I prefer bow hunting because I think I just, I just love the time of that time in the woods. And if you haven't brushed up on why leaves turn color, dig it up one day, just go back over it. We, we should talk about that one of these nights, Joe, and we could talk about kind of the, the order of, of how those trees are changing, right? The reds to yellows to oaks. Let, let's, let's put that, um, we'll make a note and be sure to discuss that in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, because you think about it, you know what, I'll, I'll leave everyone with a little tasty tidbit is that most leaves are red, yellow, or purple. And the only reason they're green is because at the time of production of chlorophyll. Yeah. There's chlorophyll A and there's chlorophyll B. But then you have the anthocyanins and the carotenoids, which create the color that are the true pigment of the, of the foliage. So it's actually pretty interesting that it's not that they're turning orange or yellow. They're just not producing chlorophyll anymore. So that's exactly. pretty cool. Yeah, we're going to nerd out. We're, we're going to book an evening. You and I are going to have a, a Polish soda and we'll, we'll go over that. Yeah, I'm a dork. I could talk about that. Um, <laughs> I just check it out. We, I got a little note fly in. I'm trying not to laugh, but all right, moving on. So yeah, you know, good things like that. It's a great time for soil fracturing, working on soil remediation. Um, like you said, if you've got a tree that's prematurely turning right now, that's a great indicator that something else is going on. Um, flag that for next year or flag that to do something with it this year at the end of the season. Um, it's all, it's all, I guess you would call it a, a, phen a phenological indicator if the tree's defoliating early. Yeah. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. There's some great stuff out there. We know we've talked about diagnostics in the past. Um, that's a great diagnostic tool. Something's just not right to that tree saying, she, I'm done for the season. And it's 
it's turning red now and it's supposed to wait another month. So, <laughs> what's going on? You know? I could, I could, I could think of at least a dozen states where people have had yellow maples and oaks for a different reason <laughs> since like July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just think you're a yellow oak. I'd say you got a yellow oak. Yeah. I got one of them too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity. I think outside of plant healthcare, you know, is, is we're in, we're in this year or two of introspection and reflection where a lot of folks in our industry have been grinding. I mean, you've been moving and grooving since buds were popping. So this is a great time of year to just take a breather, kind of take inventory. Um, I'm going to go back in a couple weeks and see my family in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Just hit that reset button before we hit the fall and the winter trade shows and, and everything that that entails. Because um, mental health and wellness is so important. And, you know, what better time to enjoy it than, you know, September, October. Oh, yeah. The hay rides, the pumpkins, the harvest, the apple cider. Mm-hmm. Whiskey. Oh, I, is there an apple whiskey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that still, it'll get apples and oak barrels. I'm sure That's you can find. episode right there. And that might be a long episode for folks listening. That might be a two-hour, three-hour episode, hey? I'm going to have to – we're going to have to have Carrie write that one down. That's another great episode. Apples and oak. What do you do with them in fall? And then we'll go figure out someone who's distilling Applejack or – Aren't you starting that? Aren't you starting that, Joe? Well, don't say it on the air because it's illegal. I mean, we know a guy. <laughs> yeah, I heard of a guy near me that might be starting a still. Yeah, well, you know, and everybody. And the, name, uh, the name of it's going to be Apple House Still, but that's the, what it is. Uh, it, the the story is is that my uncle Tom's cabin is on the site where the county old schoolhouse is. Oh no, kidding! Right next to the driveway is this. It's got to be a hundred plus year old apple tree. And the old man that lived next door, lived there his whole life, said that that apple grew after a kid threw his apple core out of the schoolhouse window. So now it's the apple house because we all we man, we take such good care of that apple tree because we cannot let anything happen to it because the whole place is called Apple House. So um, we should talk about Johnny Apple Tree, you know. Johnny Appleseed one of these nights too. Don't get me going on the history. Or or Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. I got a good story on him too. Hey, <laughs> talking about just we're talking about apples. Do you know that um, I uh, obviously we all know that I am the president of the ASM Foundation and the Historical Society. I have an arborist back when I first started this had me come down to Mansfield, Ohio, and he brought me down there because. You know, he know, his name is Leonard Dolce, Dolce Tree Care in Ohio, in Mansfield, Ohio. Great guy, great company, small company there in Mansfield. He goes, you never guess what I have. So I had to go visit him. He's got a maple sugar shack. On his property, he makes maple syrup. Very cool. So he goes, come on in. Half the side was the boiler. The other half the side was, like, a, he made a log cabin. And there's these huge hand-hewed logs that separated the two halves of the pole barn. He goes, sit in that rocking chair and put your hand on that wall. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, guess where that wall came from? 
that was part of Johnny Appleseed's log cabin when Johnny Appleseed lived in Mansfield County back in 1810. What? I go, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, that's actually part of his cabin. Johnny Appleseed had a two-story log cabin in Mansfield County uh, when they discovered it and found the deed that had, his real name is John Chapman. They found the deed, his name was on it. And the, the log cabin had to be torn down because the bottom couple of courses were shot. He goes, you know what? Come on down. I got something for you. And he gave me three logs from Johnny Appleseed's log cabin. I have them in storage right now to make a display when the time's right. Oh, that's priceless, Joe. Of the Johnny Appleseed. I'm not joking. I got part of the history from 1810. Johnny Appleseed lived down in Nansfield from 1810 to 1820. Wow. Can I, can I ask what, what log species were those? They're heavy. They got to be a hardwood. Yeah. I'm going to say like an oak. Yeah. Um, they're so old weathered that I really, and I don't want to cut them to get an end grain or look, but <sighs> I found a tool called the restore, which is like a wire wheel brush that I can, and someone said you can power wash them and get the dirt off them without wrecking them. So I'm going to, I'm going to find out. I'll probably have someone from MSU come and look at to authenticate them. But uh, you got part of that. That could be all part of the, that, that day. We'll bring the logs out. We'll set up the, the studio right there. We'll, we'll do a toast to Johnny Appleseed. And cause you know, Johnny Appleseed never planted an apple tree for eating you. Right. You know that, right? No, go on with this. This they is fascinating. All, they were all sour, bitter apples because back then they had a problem with sterile water. So they made Applejack. He, all his apple trees, according to history, were for Applejack for making booze. I like this guy more and more every minute. But why am I learning about him in third grade? Well, that was Walt Disney. Walt Disney created uh, Johnny Apps with a pot on his head. Oh, sure. Apples walking around barefoot around the country. Um, he was a horticulturist. He was a very knowledgeable horticulturist, and uh, he was played to plant orchards. And they were all sour apples, like like not crab apples, but they were all designed for making alcohol. Wow. So, Joe, fast forward here a um, hundred years from now, you're going to be that Arborjet Joe. A <laughs> hundred years from now. Should I put my hat on backwards and wear a, tin, a bucket on my head? <laughs> Depends how much Applejack you have. <laughs> I mean, but you know, it's it's great that you let into that. You know, we think about, you know, and he planted trees, and he's such a well-known character. So, there's so many amazing things that are in this industry, Corey, that lead into what you and I get to do on a day-to-day basis. So, um, it's always grateful to to get on the podcast, talk to you and our listeners, and you know, share great things like that for them to know. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, Joe. Thank you to our producer, Kara, and everybody else who's out there listening in Discovering Forestry's nation. Uh, we will bring some more riveting guests and a couple more conversations coming to you as often as we can. And uh, we want to thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for your support. Also, thank you for spreading the word about what we're trying to do here and just raise the bar and have a little fun with it. So have a great week. We'll talk soon. Yep. Hey, have a good night. Thanks, Corey. Yep. Bye. Hey, great topic today. Yes. And lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. 
And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.